First Peter. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the opportunity we have to be here. We thank you, Father, for our for folks that are watching online. We pray for them, and we pray your blessings upon all their families. Uh, we pray, Father, we pray especially for Amabella this morning. You know what's going on with this little girl. You know what's going on in her family. And we ask that you uh, that your hand would be on her, uh, that your hand would be on her family. We're thankful for Rosie and for uh, for uh, the opportunity we have to, to reach out to her. And we just pray your blessings upon that whole family, Father. Be with us this morning as we study. Be with uh, us as we worship this morning. We're thankful, Father, for the opportunity we have to to worship you together. We know that uh, that we have a relationship with you because of your son. Uh, because of our obedience to him and, and for us doing what he has required of us, uh, we have a relationship with you, and we're thankful for that, Father. We have hope, and we have a future, and uh, and so many people in our world don't have that today. Help us to reach out to them. Help us to find them. Those that, whose hearts are right, help us to touch them, Father, and, and find them and, and do what's necessary in their lives so that they can find have that relationship as well. Bless us as we study this morning. Help us to learn and help us to have the courage, Father, to apply what we learn to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to be at 1 Peter chapter 3. You want to turn over there? We've been dealing with this for the last two weeks. I, we, we just kind of got into about husband's roles last week a little bit. I want to finish that up. And, uh, you know, we've, we've dealt with, with, uh, uh, with what kind of people Christian wives are supposed to be. Now, I understand there is a lot of difference of opinion in the world, Okay. And and that's and because there's such a difference of opinion, that's why the divorce rate's pushing 60, 70 percent in the world. My goal is that the divorce rate doesn't happen here. Okay, it doesn't happen here. That we get a handle on here. What is it that we as as men and women, husbands and wives, what do we need to do to be the very best we can be, so that our our relationships, our marriage relationships, can be can do well, and we can be a right example to, the, to our children that we're raising, and the children are in this place. You know, it's nothing, it's nothing better than to acknowledge someone who's been married for 40, 50 years and from that pulpit, and acknowledge them that, that, and let our children know, hey, this is possible. It's possible for us to pull this off. If we do it the right way, it's possible. Well, if we do these things, then we're going to be better at this for sure, and our kids are going to have a better chance of being, because let's face it, what they're dealing with, what they're dealing with, pretty bad. You know, I would venture to say that most of the, your children, when they go to school, they know somebody, or maybe more than just a few somebodies, that are, are from a broken home. Okay? So, you know, wives have said to, you know, we talked about that, about being in submission, and we're not gonna, I'm not going to deal all that again. Nancy's glad because she missed it last week. And so, you know, but, 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 you know, I, I want us to. I want us to go. I told Rosie that we're, we were going to be, and I told her we were going to be in First Peter chapter three, and we're going to look at verse seven again. And I was going to read again uh, Ephesians chapter five and verse twenty-five. I'm going to go back there, and because there's a couple of things there that I want us to see before we move on. All right, husbands, uh, you should, if you're going to be a, a Christian husband. You should be aware of your wife's needs, her strengths, her weaknesses, her goals, and her desires. You should be aware of those things. You should know as much about her as possible so you can respond to her in the right way. Many of the relationships that I had to deal with, 
it wasn't necessarily always the woman. I mean, it was a lot of times it was the guy that just couldn't get off his high horse and deal with a woman where she lived. And I was just as guilty of that in my life as anybody else. You know, a husband, a Christian husband, the kind of husband that God's calling us to be, needs to know that woman almost as well as she knows herself. And how am I going to deal with her when this, when I need to know what to do over here or over here or over here when this happens in her life? What do I need to do? Okay? So, guys, I want us to read these two texts. We're going to read verse 7 first, and then we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to read uh, verse 20. We're going to start in verse 25. Okay? So I want you to let's look at that first. Verse 7. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives, and treat them with respect as a weaker partner, and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Does it look like to you that if I don't do this, that God's not going to be pleased with me? Does it look like that? It can be a hindrance to a guy's prayers if he's not doing what God called him to do. First off, tell me what you think it means to be considerate with them. He said, husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wife. What do you think that means, guy? I'm going to ask you first. What do you think that means to be considerate? Be at her beck and call. Be at her beck and call? Okay. You just made a lot of brownie points in here, man. I would say it means don't be overbearing. Don't be overbearing. Okay? Don't be overbearing. Huh? Have patience. Okay. Anybody else? Huh? But but what does that mean? What does it mean to be to be considerate? Put yourself in her place at times. Just think about it's exactly she's, where she's coming from. It's exactly what I said in these two sentences. I read. know where she's coming from, know what she needs, so that you can deal with her in a way she needs you to deal with her at any given time. Know what her strengths are. You know. I'd be willing to say that most of the guys in here don't even know your wife's favorite color. Hmm. <laughs> I can tell her. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I can tell you, and I've told you this before, I know what my wife's not her favorite color. I know that one. Pink. She don't like pink. You know what I think? She looks the best she looks in pink. That's what I think. But she don't like pink. I know that. We've had this conversation before. I've listened. Okay? Doesn't make any difference what I like. If she doesn't like wearing it, guess what? I ain't the one wearing it. You know, be considerate. Understand where they're coming from. They may not agree with you. Okay? They don't have to agree with you. They are their own person. Being considerate means I'm going to have a kindly awareness and understanding of them, even though it doesn't appeal to me or even though it doesn't connect with me. You'll never figure us out. Probably not. <laughs> but I can tell you what I've learned. It's really a lot of fun trying. It really is. I said something the other day about about what I'm what we're going through now. And I said I said this is a hoot. Living with someone trying to figure them out is a hoot. If you have the right perspective, I didn't for a long time. I didn't have the right perspective, and so it was chaotic. Why was it chaotic? Because I didn't have the right perspective. Yes, ma'am, Sarah. Translation. Conduct your married life with understanding. Conduct, and that's exactly what the word means. It means an, an aware. It's it's the it's from the root gnosis means to know, 
means to have an understanding of them where they're coming from. I understand, guys. We can't. We're not females. We don't think like they do. I understand that. But we can learn. But what do we have to do to do that? What are you going to have to do to do that? I'm going to have to listen. What else am I going to have to do? Practice. Huh? Practice. I'm going to have to practice it. Am I going to have to let them talk sometimes when I want to talk instead? You need to listen. That's exactly what they're doing. I got to need to listen. Okay? okay. Being considerate. And the next one he says here, he says, and, uh, uh, and uh, treat them with respect as the weaker partner. And as heirs with you of the gracious gift, what does it mean to respect them? What does that mean? Well, their feelings are a lot different than yours. Okay. They go deeper in some places. Okay. So that's what you have to consider. Okay. She's talking. Anybody else? What is what? Huh? She's talking. She taught you that. Good. Good. <laughs> Fifty-six years. I, hey, I, I can My wife, my wife has taught me a lot of things in my life. You know, some things I didn't want to learn. Yes, ma'am. Is that not exactly what I read just a while ago? <laughs> know her well enough. Know her needs, know her weaknesses, know her strength, know her desires. You know, I'd be willing, there was a long time, I didn't even know what my wife's desires and goals were. Didn't care. That was the problem. I didn't care. As long as she knew what mine were, good enough. It, it, I'm not saying it was right, guys. I'm just saying that's where I lived for a long time. It takes... It takes a lot sometimes in, a, in some of, our, of these guys' lives, of our lives, to get through this thick head, okay? But what God's trying to tell us is, guys, if you're going to be the Christian husband you need to be, this is what you need to be doing. You need to be considerate and have respect for them. They are the weaker partners, what he says. They don't, they don't think the same way. They don't, they don't respond the same way. And he said, as heirs with you, you know what that means? I took this I remember I did tell you last week. She is not my wife as much as she's my sister. Being a wife is going to go away. That's a relationship for here. That's going to be over with at some point. Being a sister and a brother in Christ is never going to go away. That will always be. And we need to understand that. That that first and foremost, she's my sister. Then she's my wife. And when you couple the two together, it makes for a pretty happy union. Now look at Ephesians chapter 5. Listen to what he says, verse 25. He says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her and, and, and to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. What, is, what, is he, what does he mean? I know what he's saying. He's saying... Pattern yourself after Christ. What was Christ doing? So that I'm, he is building his church, building her to be without spot or wrinkle, to be, building her to be blameless. He's willing to die for her. Translate that into, into human relationship between a husband and a wife. Tell me what that means, guys, for you. What does it mean? Huh? Our marriages are a missionary work. Okay. Between each other. Okay. You know, my goal is to make sure that she is a follower of Christ. Okay. And her goal for me should be that I am a follower of Christ. It's missionary. And does that mean she always agrees with you? Uh, no, it doesn't mean she always agrees with me. Right. It does mean that she she wants me 
The reason Kayla asked that is because a lot of times I deal with guys, and she said, well, doesn't she know that I, that I know what I'm talking about? She thinks she's listening to me. <laughs> you know, well, yeah. I am always right. The point is, Christ knew he had a mission. What was his mission? What was his mission? To build the church, right? To build the church. And it was going to take him dying to do that. That's what he had to do. And he was and to and for us to know that that the build this building's not the church, right? What's the church? Us. We're the church. People are the church, not the building. The building's just brick and mortar. We talked about this Friday night. It's just brick and mortar. That's all it is. You know, it's just sidewalks and grass and, and just, you know, air conditioners and all that stuff. You know, it's not the church. The church is us. And so he so he died to create us. So he could build us into a living priesthood. So he could build us into a a, a temple of the Lord where he dwells with us and he lives with us. And so when you look at this, it says, okay, Jesus did that. Till when I translate this to my relationship with my wife, or you translate it to your relationship with your wife, or I'm looking for a mate, or I'm looking for how am I going to be a better individual? How can I translate this? Can I translate this lifestyle into my relationship with any with other women? What about with my mother or with my sister or my co-workers? Can I translate this, not in the same way, but can I translate the mindset, being considerate, <coughs> showing respect? Can I do that? Yes. I think it I think it translates to all relationships we have. But in these relationships, he's talking about the husband's wife and his role with the church. I mean with the with his wife. What kind of what kind of relationship is he gonna have? Then look at what he says next. He said in verse twenty eight, in the same way husbands ought to love their wives in their own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. And this is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Profound mystery. So I'm talking about, I'm talking about Christ and the church. But I'm telling you, this is an example you see from the world. Here's the example. I'm talking about, Paul said, I'm talking about Christ and the church, but I'm talking also about husbands, how do you treat your wife? You know, how, how did, what did he say here? He said uh, that, he said in the same way that husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife loves himself. What is that, what does that not give you the freedom to do? Guys, what does it give you? Not give you the freedom to do, huh? What does it get? What does it not give us as men the freedom to do? I cannot cheat on my wife. Okay, I don't have the. I do not have the right to disrespect her that way, or mistreat her. Or mistreat her. I can't raise a hand to her. Right? Can't. I can't. Those are things I cannot do. I don't have the right to do those things. You know. It takes away some of the things that I can I I can't I can't expect of her more than she's able to give. Right? I can't I can't demand from her what she's not capable of giving me. Right? I can't uh, give me another one. That, that it takes away my freedom to do this. If I'm gonna love her like I love the like I love my own body, I'm gonna feed and nourish and take care of my body, what then how did that translate to her? How does it? 
Ladies, how does it translate to you? What do you expect then from us? I, I think from my own wife, honor what, what I say. Don't always try to change what I'm saying into what fits your narrative. I don't have the right to do that. I don't want her to do it to me. Why, why, why can't I do it to her? Why, why is it, well, give me the right to be able to do it to her if I don't want her doing it to me. Doesn't give me the right. Did I do that? Absolutely. Did it a lot. Still do it sometimes. Still do. Not doesn't make it right. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying this is an ongoing struggle that we're going to have, ladies, to try to get this right in our lives. So be patient with us. You know, as long as you see us striving to grow into that place, as you strive, see us striving to become the people that Jesus was to the church. I want, I want everything for my wife. I want the best for her. I want her to realize everything she's capable of, of realizing, but not to put undue expectations on her. Let her grow at her own place. Let her grow at her own rate. Let her become everything that she is capable of becoming. That's what Christ wants for the church, doesn't he? And how does he, and how does he work within that to accomplish that? How does he do? What does he? What do you think he does to accomplish that? What do you think? You think that Christ is not working within this body here, this place? What did he tell us? He said, anywhere where two or more are gathered, what did he say? I am with you. you. He's in this room, guys. You don't think he knows what's going on here and what he expects of us, what he's going, what's going on in your relationship or your relationship or yours or yours? He, he knows. What does he want? Does he want your marriage to fall apart? Does he want it to crumble? No. No, absolutely not. He wants it to be healthy and grow. And so maybe he's got me here beating you to death with all these texts over and over and over, beating myself up as well. Because, hey, this is what we need to hear. I need to know and I need to be reminded that Jesus died for the church. All right? He died for the church. I need to be willing to understand that my role is I will die for her. Now, I'm not talking about literally, but if that comes up, maybe so too. All right? I told I don't remember what I told her. I said, early on when, when we were still in Houston, I, I don't remember if I said it to one of y'all or if I just thought it. I don't remember. If it came to it and it was given a choice, I'd take her place. I'd lay in that bed instead of her. You know? I didn't want her, I didn't want to see her struggle like she was struggling. I didn't want to see her going through what she was going through. It broke my heart to see her like that. You know? I mean, I was grateful that she was alive, but it, but it broke my heart to see her struggling like that. You know? And and I think that God it does that with God. And Bobby and I have talked about this, how much it broke your heart to watch your wife struggle. You know, and, and I don't mean to bring up wounds, I, I, but I know, I, you know, I'm getting emotional myself, you know, because, because you realize then that, you know what, you know, this woman means as much to me now in my life, in a human perspective, that we mean to Jesus. He was willing to do whatever it takes to grow us into what we need to be without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish. That's a, that's a, that, ladies... Would that give you a soft, tender place in your heart, knowing you have a man like that in your life? To know that that he may he's got guys, man. I, I'm watching those go. Yep, and I'm and I'm and I know her husband. <laughs> you know, I know her. I know her her father-in-law. We are not perfect individuals, guys. 
We we they're by long shot. But what what our wives can know is that we're working on it. We're trying to get there, and we're better now than we were before. And we're going to get better down the road than we are now. She would because that's what we want, huh? She would do that for you. Absolutely, absolutely, she would. Absolutely, and I know that. And and that's what make that's what it says. And the two will leave their mothers and fathers and cleave to each other, and become one flesh. It doesn't only mean a physical union together. That's what God created marriage for, to be a helpmate for Adam and to procreate. You understand that? That's what he called it to. That's what he called us to. But there's more to that than becoming one flesh. That's becoming of the same mind and the same feeling and the same and the same the same direction. My goals become her goals. My desires become her desires. My likes, wants come become hers. We meld it together. You think that happens in 15 minutes? It's a process. <laughs> We've been married going on 50 years. And I'm still learning about her. I'm still learning things about her now that I didn't know before. Yes, you never stopped working on it. Never stopped. Never stopped it's working hard, on it. It's hard to get that across. The young people that marry and, and think, okay, now we're married. <laughs> you're like, okay, you're just beginning. Yeah. About becoming a Christian. You guys go to a building and y'all go to a wedding and oh, it's wonderful and it's beautiful. And then there's people on the back, on the on the behind the scenes <laughs> going, "This is gonna be a train wreck." Well, there's gonna be a train. There's gonna be a train wreck. You know, but but then you watch it. You watch them come to God, and you watch them mold them. And God mold them and shape them, and they start to become better and one flesh, and they start to grow into that. You know, so what's the message to those that are watching and those in here? They don't have a mate. That are have are in a bad that it is isn't good. You know, it's not a good situation because you got someone that doesn't want to do this. What do you what's what's this saying to them? Topless? No. Topless? There ain't no guys out there like that. That's 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 a crop. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's a crop. If God's involved, he can you know, I I truly believe. That, and Dan and I talked about we talked about this this morning that God raised up Cole and Jessica to be here. I believe that. I believe that with all my heart. I believe it because I believe when we started praying, God, please, please build this guy wherever he is. Build him. And we were praying this through the other guy that yeah. didn't work out, but God was doing that to get us ready for what we got now. Mm -hmm. And I think that same logic can happen. You start praying, God, please help me to find someone that I can share my life with. Well, we were actually praying that at the end of the long administration, yeah. around about the time Cole came to God. That's exactly you know, right. Because we started praying for that. When Did y'all hear that? We started praying for that early on. And so God was just now getting him in the water. He hadn't gone to sunset yet. <laughs> All right? So, you know... How does this translate into someone like Daniel who doesn't have, like, you know, how do you, how does he process it? He's listening. He's looking around here and saying, "Man, I ain't never gonna, I ain't never gonna be in that situation anyway. So what's the point? You know? Yeah. I mean, I mean, he's back there going. <laughs> Maybe at this point in his life, he doesn't want to be. That's fine. That's fine if he doesn't want to be. But if he decides that's not where he wants to be, how can this help him? I know what I'm looking for. I know what I'm looking for now. I know what I know what they should be looking for in me, so I can I can eliminate those who are not looking for that. 
If that's not what they're looking for, then I then I need to run, not walk away. But but God has the power to raise up people and put them in positions that are beneficial for us to grow. That's what He's looking for. He is a good Father. You don't think that these two over here are praying for their children to find at some point find these two are, are praying for their children to find healthy, happy mates. If you're not praying it now, maybe you ought to start. Maybe you really ought to start. Because it may take God 15, 20 years to get them that. I, I, I told you all before, I've watched them little kids coming, running down, going to Bible. And I said, oh my gosh, some of our kids are going to be married to each other. <laughs> that's a scary thought. That's, that's a scary thought. Now, you know, the scary thought is that they're going to be married at some point. And we've got to, and the scary part is we've got a responsibility to start training them, teaching them, getting them to where they need to be so that they can become the mates they need to be so we don't have a divorce rate in the church that's 40-50%. Don't you think? Who do you think that takes? Who do, you think's going to, who do you think is involved in this? All of us. All of us. Well, said, oh, I'm a grandfather. Well, okay. Yes. Be a grandfather like, be a grandmother like Nadine Crawford was. Nadine Crawford and, and, uh, and Marilyn Underwood. My kids called them the candy ladies. Remember that? Nadine always had candy. Marilyn always had gum. She always passed out gum to them. You know, and they respected her. They respected her. You know, and I and I and I had a grandchild that didn't respect women much because of what had happened to him in his life. Y'all know that. And it and it was uh, it, and those kind of people stood out to him. And we watched that on that Saturday when we did an open mic and person after person after person after person came up and said how much of an impact he had made in there because because these people made an impact in his life. It was amazing how much good you can do as a grandparent finding things to do that parents don't know what to do. Yeah. Be, be the kind of mate that you need to be. All right? Now, we beat this up good enough Consider it. Be considerate. Have respect for them. Remember who they are. Remember that they're a child of the king. Always respect a child of the king. Always. Alright? Now, go back to go back to First Peter. And I'm going to deal with just this last sentence just for a second. So that nothing will hinder your prayers. If God created man and woman, and he created the marriage institution, okay? How do you think he views the marriage institution? How do you think he? How? how? I think I think it's I think I think he holds it up here. Now Paul told us. Paul told us. He said he said if you can't control yourself, then get married. But if not, if you can stay, then be like I am. Then by all means do that. Then stay single. But God put the marriage institution in there for us, to, for a couple things to give us a help meet and to procreate and to and to for us to grow in in our in our understanding of Him. All right, so that we understand what His relationship with the church is like. I want to have a marriage where people can look at it and say, "Now I understand what the church looks like," because of what what I'm doing, what I'm watching them to. I see what the church is like through us, through our example. I don't want anything. There's enough nonsense out there to hinder my prayers. I don't need that to hinder them too. Okay? 
when I pray to God, I want God to look at me and say, you doofus. I ain't listening until you get your, we get your act right with your wife. Not listening. Because it does it not say, so that your prayers will not be hindered. What do you think that means? That they don't go up, that God didn't listen. Not listening until you get it right. So, decide. Make the decision what kind of person you're going to be, what kind of husband, what kind of wife, what kind of man, what kind of woman you're going to be. Okay? Now, let's go to, let's go to verse 8. I'm going to read verse 8 through 12. Now, we're not going to get through all this. We're going to deal with verse 8 because there, there are four or five things here that we need to talk about. All right? So, finally, all of you be like-minded. Be sympathetic. Love one another. Be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongues from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For, their, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Okay? And let's go back to verse 8. Uh, I, I, I entitled this in my notes, A Call to Righteous Living. Here's a call. Finally, this is what you do. Call to righteous living. Alright? Now, this is not just for husbands, wives, it's for everybody. Look at what he says. Finally, all of you be like-minded. What does that mean to you when you hear that? All of you be like-minded. What does it mean? Have the same goal. Have the same goal. Have the same purpose. Same purpose. Harmony. Okay. Huh? Harmony. Harmony. Okay. It doesn't mean you're going to all think like. Okay. Really? But you have the same purpose. Doesn't mean we're all, she said, doesn't mean we're all going to think alike. Okay. But that we should be working towards. Okay. Alike. Should be thinking a lot. We should be working towards that. Thinking a lot. Alright. <laughs> if our mind is set on Christ, okay. the end goal should be Christ. Yeah. Yeah. He said, "Yeah, I looked it up." He said, "To to live in harmony with one another, to stand firm, uh, to be to be of the saint, to be united, to be unified." What does God tell us about unity? You know what He tells us about unity? Stronger. Huh? Stronger. He wants us to be unified. He, he, Jesus wanted Jesus. us to all be of the same mindset. Did that not what he prayed for in John chapter 17? You know, I don't pray for these all alone. I pray for them, those that will hear about me through their message, that they all be of one mind, they all be of one spirit. Isn't that what he said? How do we pull that off, guys? He said, finally, all, he's not talking to husbands and wives anymore. Now he's talking about finally all of you be of like-minded. How do we pull that off? When we don't all think alike, when we all have difference of opinion, when we all don't don't even uh, uh, sometimes don't even like each other. You ever found somebody in the church you just really didn't get along with? Just really didn't like much? How you deal with it? We would also be like minded. How do we how do we process it, guys? If, if if you're gonna apply this stuff to your life, you gotta say, okay, this is what it means to me. What do I need to do? If I'm going to be like-minded, I want to take you to a couple of texts. I want you to turn first off to Philippians chapter 1. And I'm going to say this over and over because I'm going to give Rosie and her daughter a chance to write these down. Because they may not be able to find them as fast as you can. So I'm going to let her know that we're going to be in Philippians chapter 1 verse 27. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27.
Look at just verse 27. Listen to what it says. Whatever happens, whatever happens, now you can put those two words in your, in your, whatever happens in your life. Husband doesn't live right. Your wife don't live right. Don't give me what I want. You know, I don't like the elders. I don't like the deacon. I don't like that deacon. I don't like this. I don't like that. I don't like the colors on the walls. I don't, you know, and on and on and on and on and on and on. All right? You know, it's all legitimate stuff. All is. Okay? All can be. Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. You know, one thing I like here that we've grown to is that's exactly what happens here a lot of times. You don't hear of a lot of the other stuff happening where you know, like you're dipping a step. You don't hear of that. You hear, you know, people are, you know, conducting themselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. Do it the right way. It took us a long time to get there, all right? We're not where we need to be yet, but you know what? We're a whole lot better off than we were a lot before. Now, he says, whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. What's the goal of the church? The gospel. Standing firm for the gospel. What is he looking for? You may have a difference of opinion about it. I may say going to the juvenile detention center is stupid. I may say that. I don't say that. But what if I did? And you say, no, I, but I've got to say, you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna defer this to Nancy because Nancy knows better than I do. And Sandra, they know better than I do. And I may not want to go there, you know. But there, if, if that's what where God is sending them, then I'm good with it. I'm fine with it. I may not like the color on the wall. You know, don't matter to me, to be honest with you. But if I don't, and I conduct myself in a manner that's going to bring unity, I've got to try to get my head, here we go, got to try to get my head in the mindset of a millennial or someone that's younger or a little older to, because, because they think different than I You know, I went to a school. I told you all, I went to a school the other day. I went to Schoenmeyer Elementary School. I told them this. And we're sitting there, and Kevin is registering those two little boys in school. They're going to a new school this year, so... They're living with us now. So, so anyway, and I'm looking at the walls. And I'm going, oh my God! The same painter came over here. <laughs> there was there was emerald green uh, trim around the doors with a yellow wall. Going, oh my God! <laughs> and I said, you know what I learned? I said, you know what? They must all think alike. I don't think like them. And it, and it said, said, told me right there, you know what? I'm okay with the walls then. I, I'm fine. You know why? Because it's not my kids. It's not my kids. And they're trying to develop something for their kids that I don't understand. But, you know, I don't care. I'm good. Man, I don't care if you polka dot the walls. If our kids are faithful, don't say that. That was the guy who's doing all the work is right here. I, I don't. I don't. I'm. You know. I'm. I'm serious. You know. Because I'm trying to be like-minded. I'm trying to get my mind wrapped around where are they coming from. I don't have to agree with it. I don't have to. I don't have to necessarily like it. But you know, I'm going where they're coming from. You know what? Hey, I'm good with it. Because if that's what's going to be good for the church, and I know these are godly people. These are not a bunch of boobs off the street. These are godly people who are who really want to do the right thing. 
You may disagree with someone who is really a godly individual who's trying to do the right thing. And if we're going to do stand firm, all be of like mind, stand firm for the gospel, the spreading of the gospel, then the one thing we're not going to fight about, guess what I'm not going to fight about? The colors on the wall. This too shall pass. There, 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 is a, there are other things that we can deal with than colors on the wall. You know? I'm just telling you. But I've seen us, I've seen the church go into meltdown over stuff like that. And people get all mad and, they're, and, they're, and they want to throw things at each other and they storming out the building, you know, over colors on the wall. Are you kidding? This stuff, and hey, we're all guilty. All of us have, have gone into one of those places before where, you know, we're huffing and puffing because it didn't go our way. Does that sound like what this is talking about in First Peter? Be like-minded. You know, look at what he said. He said, uh, finally, all of you be like-minded. That means have, have a unity about you. What's the most important thing that we do? Teach people the truth. Right? Teach people the truth. Sharing the gospel. That's, the, that's what he told us to do. Did he not? Did he not tell us to do that? Share the gospel. Going all over and preach the gospel. That's what he told us. And if and if painting the walls different colors helps to accomplish that, I'm good. If painting them polka dot, I'm good. Whatever. Putting a bunch of, of things on, I'm good. I'm good with it. There are some things I'm not good with, but you and I will talk about it when I'm not good with it. When there's something that, you know, and if there's something I'm doing that's not, you don't like, hey, come talk to me. Come talk to me. I will talk with you. Or come talk with Dan or talk, whatever. We Our goal here is to be of one mind. Standing firm to one mind. Right? Yes, ma'am. And then we're done. And it's helped me is to always look at the other person and say, you may have a good reason. Absolutely. I think we haven't done that good enough for a long time. You think? I think we haven't. I think we think our opinion is the only one that matters. And guys... When you take that into the marriage relationship, guess what happens? You find out you don't have the one with the only opinion. And usually when the two opinions clash, guess what happens? Yeah. You lose. We'll, yeah. You'll lose. You'll lose. <laughs> You'll lose. Guys, so I'm done. We'll pick it up here next week. Thanks, guys.